0: that only comes with braving the unknown? Join us as we speak to entrepreneurs who have faced the challenges of successfully creating businesses at home as well as abroad. Whether it's arts, services, or tech, from Shanghai to Tokyo, Bangkok to Mumbai, we'll help you find your inspiration and turn it into action. Get ready for Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now welcome your host, Neville J. McKenzie.
1: Amy Picanso is the managing director and founder of Amy Designs, an interior design startup based in Singapore. At heart, Amy is a creative, but is just as passionate about the business aspects of running a startup. This insightful, balanced approach is the key to why Amy Designs is making steady, consistent progress in the interior design industry, and after only three years, has already started expanding into other Asian markets. So, now without further delay, let's begin. Hi, I'm Neville J. McKenzie, and I'm here with Amy Picanso. Amy Picanso is a young entrepreneur working in Singapore, so I'll hand over to her and let her introduce herself.
0: Hi, my company is called AIM Design, Um, I'm the Founder and Managing Director here, it's my full-time work, uh, and we specialize in renovation. Our tagline is, where creativity meets creation. And the idea behind that is that we want to bring something really special to the table and turn it into a reality for our clients.
1: So can you just give me some idea of your background?
0: So I graduated from the UK in 2008 uh, from Brighton University, studied interior architecture, and at that time it wasn't a great a great time to be in the UK, really, especially going into architecture business. Um, it was the middle of recession, nobody was building anything, there wasn't anything new happening, everyone was struggling to find a job, even for free, because there was just no work available. Um, and then I moved over to Asia, my father was here, came on holiday thought this looks pretty nice. (laughs) Um, And Singapore was kind of the opposite with what was happening in London actually. Everywhere you looked there was new buildings going up, uh, new infrastructure, people moving, tons of money being invested and the influx was and energy in fact was great. So I managed to line up a few interviews got a position that was only supposed to last about six months and one thing has led to another. <laughs> so
1: what was the position?
0: Uh, a designer position at a, at a firm doing mostly hospitality design. Um, that lasted for six months and then I, and then I moved on from there. Not quite sure what I was going to do.
1: What makes you feel that you're suitable to be a designer?
0: I think design is something that you just have in you. I think there's a need to create, need to draw, need to experiment. Um, I think it's sort of one of those unexplainable passions like people have with music, or it's just... Is that the passion? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just inside you, like a need to...
1: So that passion's inside you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely.
1: So what qualifications did you...?
0: So uh, I have a degree from uh, in interior architecture. Yeah,
1: what else do you have?
0: Before that I did uh, an art and design foundation course. So I spent a lot of time doing fine art and actually painting and drawing was what brought me onto this road initially. Um, and then led me into doing 3D design and eventually interior spaces.
1: So what were any key moments before you actually made the decision, this is what I want to do? What made you say, this is what I want to do?
0: Um, I think or did I think you it was do- the idea, like the big picture dream that this sounds, it was looking at a space actually <laughs> like Battersea Power Station. So, and I think this is what made me choose interior architecture rather than architecture. Was I wasn't so interested in greenfield sites. I wasn't so concerned about building something new from scratch. What what got me was the idea of these old buildings um, in Europe, in London, that were had no purpose anymore, didn't seem to serve our modern day needs and fit into our everyday culture, and thought that here is a chance to sort of create something new, to to design something that was more turning the old and making it new but retaining some of that old beauty.
1: Yeah. Singapore doesn't have much old stuff
0: No, it doesn't. How do you get around that? So, I mean, initially that, I didn't, I suppose I'd never planned to be here for a very long time. As I said, I came over here for a job initially. And then, um, it doesn't have old buildings but there's a hell of a lot of culture around. Like, not just Singapore, but the whole of Southeast Asia, and that's what keeps me here and keeps me really interested. I think there's so many different types of people, um, so many different places that you can go in such a short time span. In an hour, you can be in Bangkok, which is completely crazy, uh, or Jakarta, which is a completely different type of crazy, or you could be on the beach somewhere. I mean, there is just so many different places packed into such a small area of the world. Um, that I think is amazing. And the amount of people and opportunities that I've met through being here, I just don't think I would have been as maybe open to it in London as I would have been here. I mean, there is that in London, but I think because if it's where you've grown up and you – I think I would have been too stuck. Uh, It's good to get out of your comfort zone sometimes.
1: Tell us what you do here at Amy Design.
0: We work a lot in Singapore with commercial clients – we've taken slightly different strategy to that kind of big picture idea that got me into this in the first place. Um, and we're working with corporations on really creating a space for their working environments that enhance productivity, that help the staff feel that they belong to create a culture within that working, in, within that office that also reflects their brand identity. Um, so branding is quite an important thing for us when designing.
1: And how do you decide who you're going to work with or does it, is it anyone that comes to you or do you go out and you canvas for certain clients?
0: Yeah, we have a particular, I mean, we we definitely market towards the commercial clients. Um, and it wouldn't be anybody. It needs to be somebody that really wants to invest in their space. And here you get a lot of people that are just looking for the cheapest option which we're certainly not going to be. But the reason that you might want to invest a little more is because I do believe that we can create a much better space. Like we'll spend the time getting to know who you are, who, what your company values are, and create a space that's totally tailored to that. It's not quick in, quick out, here you go. Might fall down, down, down. in two years, but we don't care because we'll be longer by then. <laughs> That's just not not how we want to operate.
1: Yeah. So, what would be your favourite project of yours?
0: Um, for the corporate spaces, i it's just one of the probably one of the smallest ones we've done. We recently com- completed a, a co-working space, and they didn't have very much budget um it wasn't a particularly wasn't particularly adventurous space there wasn't much so we in a way it was a real challenge for us to get that design. they they knew what they wanted, they knew the brand and the challenge was could we do something with this amount of money in this small space that still worked and gave the business what they needed? and that was, I mean that was fun. That was the sort of challenge that we like to be set. And um, in the end, I think it turned out to be really, really. Why fun
1: was it so space. much fun?
0: Oh, we they. I think it was because of the brands. I mean, they. They were wanting to take some of the Singapore culture. We created a huge wall graphic for them, uh, like a Peranakan style um, shop house, that stretched across the whole meeting area. Um, that you could even be inside the meeting space and look out, and it would be as though you were looking out of a Peranakan-style window. Um, and it brought that history of Singapore, I think, inside What the is a- Like the shop houses. So you've got, as you walk around Chinatown here, and you've got all the shutters and quite decorative pillars, that's the sort of Peranakan, the old Singapore heritage, I suppose.
1: Can you just describe your process, what you go through when you get the project?
0: So, again, for corporate spaces, our first point of contact is to kind of know the facts. Like, how many desks do you need? What, how many staff are you going to have? How many of these are managers? What's your storage? What's all of the kind of basic need-to-know factors to create that space? Then it's then it's deeper. Then it's well. How do these people work? Who is connected with who? Um, how do they move? How does these the staff their daily functions? How do they go about doing their work? What extra could we bring them in order to make that day better? Breakout spaces. How do they currently function? What is better for them? Do perhaps trying to get them internally to to do a poll or a survey with their staff to actually find out what's meaningful for, for them because I think sometimes sometimes we meet a lot of managers that believe they know what their staff do or don't want and then in reality that's, that's not always the case.
1: Would you go into the office the, or would you go into the current workspace yourself? Yeah, and, have, and
0: definitely we see, I mean it's quite easy actually to go into these spaces and work out what is being used and what is not being used or just left and is still looking really nice, it's just nobody's interested yeah. in it. And here, more than I mean, there's quite a... A lot of managers are wanting to move towards this open plan layout, it's got a lot of hype, and a lot of people think that it's got a lot of benefits, and it does. However, there is some companies that are really just not suited to having that space. And there's a lot of people, especially I found more in Singapore than than before, are not ready to be totally open. That they like coming into work and having their little cubicle Wisecar. space. I think if there's a more of a privacy, more of your, you know, this is yours. That you want to be able to decorate your space with your pictures of your family or have your
1: cuddly toys. Uh, yeah, like
0: <laughs> whatever yeah, it might yeah. be that they want on their desk. They want yeah. this to be their little space. And I, and it, again, this really depends on your job function, and that's what we have to try and think about when we're creating these spaces that not all of the staff may need the same things, that fi- finance might just want to come in and be quiet away from... You can't put finance, say, next to marketing. Marketing people may well make a lot of noise and they are probably got more, maybe more mess on their desk, <laughs> but constructive. They might need more of the standing tables and more open collaborative spaces. They, they suit... That job role perhaps suits the open plan environment more than someone who's doing a lot of maybe data work or finance work and they need that quiet, they need that zone to be away from. So I mean, we spend a lot of time trying to understand these people.
1: When you worked on the workspace, did you find that you had to create different types of space um, in the same way? Yeah, okay. definitely.
0: Yeah. So we're going back to the, work, the co-working project, for example. They had sort of four elements of things that they needed to bring in they had the hot desks where they had members that would just come sit anywhere grab a space work away they had designated desks that people were hiring that that was their one desk um they needed quiet zones where people could move away from that open plan environment and just have some peace and quiet we made small rooms like a little bit larger than the telephone booth style room more on like a one-on-one coaching style spaces that were soundproof so that you could go in there perhaps have a mentor or a coach have these sessions and then bigger rooms to do larger meetings or hold events so i mean they're definitely and these are the tri- the things that the co-working thinks about quite easily because it goes to their different membership but when you go into a bigger corporate office, they perhaps don't think that they need that many different styles of spaces. They're not. They're just thinking these are the staff, this is the directors, and then we need a pantry. But actually, you need much. We try and get our clients to see that it's beneficial <laughs> for the overall productivity to have more than that.
1: But what would you say was specific for the Singapore market as opposed to, say, in the UK? Ooh.
0: I don't know actually, I don't know whether would they're you, really huge. Do you
1: think they're similar? Or?
0: I think um, <laughs> it's definitely easier designing here, there's a lot less hurdles to go through. We have almost more freedom than you do in the UK to be able to create the building regulations and not as strict, um, is that which a, is good and bad.
1: Could that be a safety issue? Or?
0: no no no. I don't think in terms of safety I think just different I mean there's a lot the UK have so many small things that you have to consider where exactly the doors are placed and and steps and what happens over these things I don't think it's I don't I definitely wouldn't say it's unsafe here but there's a lot less boxes that we need to or hoops that we have to jump through um, which gives people perhaps more time to be creative
1: does it speed the process up yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. You can have a much shorter turnover of things.
1: Um what's your least enjoyable aspect of the job?
0: Delays and <laughs> dealing with construction staff, I think. Um, there's a bit of there's quite a large disparity here between yeah, the actual contractors and then your end client so us as the designer and often project manager we're there to to try and give our client the easiest way that we'll take over the whole project we'll design it and we'll hand it back to them when it's finished so (laughs) then along that way it's my job to make sure that all of these other people understand the importance of that and they deliver the task that then I'm promising my client so it's yeah there's still a lot of Reliance on a third-party source, on, on suppliers, on contractors, and um, sometimes it still takes a bit of takes a lot of pushing.
1: Yeah, a lot of pushing. No. <laughs> a yeah. lot of pushing. Yeah. So, what's the most enjoyable uh, part of the job? Uh,
0: I think it, I think seeing the space being used is going back there after a month and and seeing you know happy staff, seeing their reactions. Um, Yeah, it's kind of two moments probably, the move-in day when they, everyone comes in and uh, yeah, about a month later when they're all kind of finally settled in and you iron out any creases or find out what's, you know, how, how things hopefully have improved.
1: So how often would you change your office around?
0: Um... (laughs) <laughs> probably if I managed to do it every time I had a new thought a lot yeah. uh, luckily just general busyness and money stopped me from doing that um, actually we've only probably we did an initial well we we had this we took over this space um, two years ago and it was not in a very nice condition so we kind of ripped everything out and just started with a their canvas. And we've kept it pretty open. Like we just yeah. want to be very, we want this to be quite a chilled place. We want to be able to all chat to each other, play some music, make it creative, easy, easygoing environment. So I don't think there's a lot we would do. Um, mainly because we just want to keep that quite relaxed vibe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so, so the office the layout of the office affects the mood of the employees.
0: is that what? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, if we were all, for us, again, it's like going back to what I said about the marketing. I think, I think as creative people, for us, we all need to be there to throw around ideas, to like, have a thought and immediately say it. I think if you start keeping these things in or not sharing it, then they might go away or you don't have... You need to be able to bounce these thoughts back and forth. And I think then you end up with a better, better design in the end.
1: So what advice would you give to an entrepreneur that was, say, moving from their home to moving into their first office? What kind of things would they need to think about?
0: Um, now that I've done that, I think I would, I would suggest for a small business, to try in a co working space first. Especially in Singapore, the co working space here is like booming now. And I think there's a lot of benefits for, say, businesses from one to eight people ish, um, because then you start to really understand what those needs might be. And I think it's very hard to think from your home, okay, you might have dreams of what you want your company office to be and to showcase a brand and all these things, but the reality is you're not going to know until you really trial it out. And I think that the co-working environment now gives people that stepping stone between being at home and then being in a space where they can still have their own office within it. Um, but it lets them understand what is missing or what is not. <laughs> and yeah. um, gives them more insight, I think. So I would do that. And then obviously if you get 10 and above, you need your, you start needing your own space but before that yeah I think it's good
1: and what about location how would you go about selecting a location for an office
0: um, generally we haven't most of the clients that I've met so far know their location they know roughly where they want to be and that wasn't Depends on what kind of business they are. So the there's people that really want and have to be actually in this in the center of the CBD. So they're only looking around there. There's a lot of smaller startup companies that really want the shop house. They want that kind of funky vibe. They want to be a little bit different. They want to show that they're away from the CBD slightly and have that other vibe. Um, so our clients often come to us with maybe two or sometimes even three shortlisted spaces and from there we can help them then decide we can we've done that initial briefing we know what they want and we can show them quick layout plans for those three spaces and and then we can help them make a more informed decision because some of this space especially inside shop houses is very hard you think that there's quite a lot of space and by the square foot there is but the actual layout And the amount of wasted space that you get is quite high. Um, They're just so narrow and you just can't get the amount of desk that you think that you are going to be able to fit inside.
1: And would you ever say to a customer, it's not going to work?
0: Yeah, we have actually, we've done that in the past, but it's quite easy as well when they've shown the plan. um, And I think that, I mean, often we've shown plans in order to illustrate that it can't work. It's no good us just saying, oh, it's not gonna work. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we can see from the plan it's not gonna work, yeah. but you you have to illustrate why yeah, it's not gonna that, work. Yeah. And I mean, that helps as well because it helps their understanding. And I think that that's part of us as a designer and building relationship with our clients is that we're not asking them just to take our word for it. We're trying to really offer a, a service that educates them and gets them to learn more and make more informed decisions perhaps the next time that they're looking.
1: And what do you see for your company in the future?
0: So, I suppose two really special projects that we've done that have been a bit out of maybe our core (laughs) and go back to kind of my dream projects, which is this idea of like renovating on a much larger scale. Um, So we did one in Singapore which is still actually finishing off um, a house redesign. We changed the facade, the swimming pool, built a new outhouse. I mean, this is quite a major, major project. We were designing it for about, I think a little over six months before we even started building, um, dealing with architects. And mm-hmm. um, and we've just finished a villa in Phuket, which we've done the same. It was an old property, which, oh, it was an okay house, but it just didn't really fit in Thailand it doesn't seem to have its own identity it didn't belong to its surroundings um, and again we wanted to try and retain as much as we possibly could and reuse as much as we could but redesign it in a way that it would look like it belonged to that space so we just finished that uh, in the summer though they're doing the garden now so hopefully by Christmas it will be 100% complete and that was so exciting um, so that's the, that's the future I hope that's, we're going to go into Phuket um, look at more residential spaces and hopefully the two businesses will be able to feed off each other in Singapore looking more commercially and Phuket looking more at the residential
1: and any other countries? Asia is quite a um, big place <laughs> one, one day maybe oh. <laughs> one day.
0: One a time I think, that, I think that's the other thing like, as an entrepreneur as a well, business owner you kind of, it's lovely to have the big dreams and you want to have that five and ten year plan that you can keep your eye on, work towards. But at the same time, you have to be realistic in the sense that, A, economies in the world is changing so fast um, that you kind of want to get that one thing done really well and then move to your next, get it going really well. And then, so who knows? I didn't know we were going to be in Phuket until this year, so... It might
1: change. <laughs> so do you have an office there?
0: Not yet, but no. I'm hoping beginning of 2017 maybe.
1: Oh, well, congratulations. Thanks. And if anyone wants to follow in your footsteps, if anyone out there decided they wanted to become a interior designer?
0: Yeah. Um, I think you've got to have a lot of passion. Uh, you've got to understand that it's not all like, is not really to run the business. Is much more than just design um, I think I didn't quite realize I mean I don't do nearly as much designing now as I thought I would be do you miss it yeah I do yeah, yeah I really do but if you're gonna start your own business you have to realize that you were starting a business and no matter what I think the business that you're in and no matter what industry you still have all of those business <laughs> things that you as the founder need to be able to do need to be looking at the accounts. You need to be looking at all of the, the regulations. You need to do all of this extra admin that I know that a lot of creatives don't like doing. So if you were a creative and wanted to start a creative business, either be prepared for that or partner with somebody who does <laughs> and who is good at it and who likes it. You need that business mind as well, I think.
1: So do you have a partner, a business partner?
0: Um, we have investors. Oh, yeah. So they help us give advice every now and again. But I do a lot of, I mean, I actually, although I miss designing and although that's my core passion, I have actually really enjoyed the business and entrepreneurial side about starting a business. And I definitely found this to be something quite enjoyable for myself. So, yeah.
1: So, really, it's a one woman show. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I when I say you have it with your team yeah, yeah. you have a team yeah. but um, you are the founder yeah. of the company and I think yeah. that
0: that's the other important thing I mean you really when starting a business again no matter what it is your team is so so important I mean these are the people that you're going to be spending every day with and whether it be your partner or your employees or whoever you're working with you really have to have that rapport you have to be able to talk to them and mostly you have to be able to trust them you have to not be like micromanaging everybody you have to trust them to go out and do what you need to do and all be on the same wavelength in wanting to produce the same end result
1: how many people do you have working Uh,
0: there's three full time and we have two part time we have an office manager and an accountant that we actually share with another business so again it's like the more partnerships that I think that you can have and for us we've got a lot of partnerships with furniture companies and contractors. So it's quite a nice business because although we're small, our core team is very small, but sometimes it feels like we're much larger. Now if we have a company party, there's all these other people that are sort of part of our team yeah. <laughs> but not directly under us. This is yeah, part of the fun, I think.
1: Okay, thank you yeah. very much, Amy. And it's been a pleasure Talking with you, and uh, we'll keep in touch.
0: Definitely. Thank you very much. This brings us to the end of this episode of Asia Biz Stories Entrepreneurs in Action. Now we need you to hit the subscribe button and head over to AsiaBizStories.com for more great information on how to take your inspiration and turn it into action. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you join us next time on Asia Biz Stories Entrepreneurs in Action.